Thessalonians. Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ our King. We are so excited for this opportunity to share the Word of God with you through your favorite program, The Moment of Truth. We are at a critical moment in God's plan for humanity, and God is said to do awesome things in and through individuals, families, communities, organizations, nations, continents, and across generations. As we proclaim the Word of God in the following series, you are going to receive illumination and direction, especially those in the Valley of Decision, and hopefully you'll be accurately positioned for the current move of God. So, sit back and relax. Go ahead, call your family and friends, and get ready for a life-changing encounter with the Word of God. As you do, your life will never be the same again. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we bless your holy name this morning, Lord. Take this stage, O Lord. Take this stage, O Lord. Have your way in our life this morning, Father. We bless your holy name. I commit this message before you this morning. Let your presence fill this place this morning, O Lord. That life will be changed in the mighty name of Jesus. No one will live the same way they came in the name of Jesus. Father, let your sons and daughters be blessed this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus. We bless your holy name once again. In Jesus' name that we pray. Let's put our hands together. And thank the Lord for his presence in our midst. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's welcome one another. How was your week? Please, let's shake up a little bit. And our online um, uh, viewers in the cloud, we welcome you this morning. You may have your seats. Amen. Hallelujah. It's really a great privilege and honor to be standing this morning to minister. You know, I, you know, this altar here is very expensive. Yes, it's not a place you walk in anyhow. Amen. Amen. And I thank God for his mercy and grace to count me worthy to stand here this morning. Uh, We're going to look at something very interesting. But let me begin by asking how many of us were at the citywide Empowered Bible study last Wednesday? Were you blessed by Pastor's message? Like my sister was just saying, he said it was explosive. So please, if you are not there, I will advise you to lay hold on the CDs and the tapes because you will truly be blessed. You know, I have some takeaway from that message that he preached. You know, Pastor was talking on the series that he titled, How to Discover Who and What Matters Most in Your Life. And on Wednesday, he took it to a new dimension by giving us a thorough exposition on to-do list versus success list. But I have some few takeaways from what he preached. One of my, I have just three. There are many of them, but I pointed out three this morning, which will form basis of my message. He said, who and what matter most in your life should not be surchanged or replaced by what matter less or who matter less. 
And that reminds me of uh, what I call the Pareto Principle. How many of you know the Pareto Principle? It's also called the 80-20 rule. It is a law or a theory that stipulates that 80% of your output in life is determined by 20% of input. So more generally, the Pareto principle can be interpreted by saying that a minority of inputs result in the majority of output. Meaning there are some few things that you will focus on that will give you maximum output in life. So it is our own responsibility to understand those things so that we do not spread our tentacles so wide and nothing is being achieved. Number two takeaway I had on Wednesday is that um, Pastor also mentioned that achievers operate differently from non-achievers. Why? Because they have a clear sense because they have a clear sense or walk from a clear sense of priority. Somebody say priority. priority. <laughs> Number three, to make a meaningful progress in life, priority, purpose, and productivity should be on the same pedestal, meaning it should be on that line. Pastor mentioned that if you take away priority out of the equation, Purpose alone cannot produce productivity. Meaning, as a person, you should have a clear sense of what matters most or what is most important and urgent in your life. And that draws me to my message this morning that I titled, Making God Your Top Priority. Making God Your Top Priority. Hallelujah. What is priority? The word priority is from Latin called priotos, meaning first. So we can define priority as first thing first, first in importance and urgency, first in order of preference. First in position and seniority of ranking. And it can also define priority as first to receive special attention. From this definition, we can understand that priority is what is first in your life. What comes first in your life? What is that thing that you place at a very high esteem? Tim Redmond made a statement here. He said, there are many things that will catch my eyes. But there are only a few things that will catch my heart. That brings me to the statement Paul made in the book of 1 Corinthians 10.23. He said, everything is lawful to me, not all things are expedient or needful. Meaning, I must know what is needful in my life, then I will position myself and focus on that. Hallelujah. 
So what is that thing that is needful and most needful in your life that you give top priority? Do you prioritize God? Can the things of God be that only few things that will catch your heart? Does God come as a first preference in your life? See, that is the acid test. I was listening to a man of God recently, an audio tape. I was just listening to that message. And um, he gave a story. He said, a 70-year-old man died. And he appeared at the gate of hell. Before him was an angel, and the angel said to him, that is your destination. He protested, no. Oh, that cannot be. I'm a believer in Christ. I'm another in my church. Why should I go to this place? What have I done that I should deserve this place? The angel asked to him, well, do you want to know? He said, yes, I want to know. Okay. I will give you a detail of your life, how you have spent your life, and why you should go to that place. He said he would like to know. Then a brick screen appeared before him. You know, you know the heaven has one of the best gadgets. <laughs> you know this thing we see, see Microsoft, everything. It all is just a minute of what is in heaven. In one split second, God will give you the totality of your life. Even some of the things you've forgotten from the day you were born, you will remember by force. <laughs> so there will be no argument. He will just show you so that you have no reason to argue. It will be just be evident and clear before you. Now the angel began to, the screen just came out. The angel now told him, well, let's look at how you prioritize your life. You live 70 years on earth. Let's have a breakdown how you lived. Number one, 23 years of your life was spent in sleeping. I mean, some will how. Let us zoom. Uh, let me, my brother, how many hours do you sleep in a day? No. Aside the time spent in sleeping at church where Pastor is praying, let's remove that one. <laughs> I know past, Pastor is not here. You know, he slapped some of us at the front here. <laughs> my, my, my wife, my wife, you know, my big problem sometimes, I walk late at night. Sometimes I see myself 1 a.m. On Saturday night, going to my wife will come to me. Say, you, you are number one pastor. Is going to slap now. <laughs> I will run away from it. <laughs> so now I've learned my lesson. Sometimes, you know, don't walk too late at night, and you see yourself doing like. Uh, is it? Mis- There's one comedian in England called Mr. Bean. You know, no. Have you seen him in church sleeping, kneeling down? Why message is going on? <laughs> no, let's be realistic. How many hours do you sleep in a day, my brother? Aside the one you doze in office, let's exclude all those ones. Let's move the extras. How many hours? Five hours. Or six. Five hours or six. Okay, let's say average. Okay, let's say six hours. Okay, madam, how many hours? Eight hours. Wonderful. Okay, let's just leave it at seven hours. Let's assume. No, no problem. Let's say seven hours, inclusive of every other extras, relaxing, and let's say eight hours. 
I know some of us catch balls. You know some people, they only is 12 midnight, then 4. Then they do the rest while they go slow. <laughs> you know? Then they now make you 6 and all the rest. Let us zoom in 7 hours, mass. So if you sleep 7 hours a day, in a month you sleep uh, probably 210 hours. Hmm? No, let us zoom 7 hours. In 30 days, you are sleeping 210 hours. Am I correct, please? <laughs> So in a year, roughly, probably 2,250 hours in a year. Then, better assume God decides to extend your life to 90 years, not the man that lives 70. So if you multiply that, you probably have 226 hours, 226,800 hours in a year, in, seven, in a space of 90 years. But in a year fully, we have 8,640 hours in a day, in a, in a year. So if you divide that, you probably have slept 26 years of, you know, sleeping. Spent 26 years sleeping. At least out of that 90 years, 26 has gone sleeping. Yeah. I mean, you can do that analysis when you get home. Now, the angel told him, you have slept 23 years. 16 years on working. Eight years on watching TV. Six years on eating. Four and a half years on leisure. Four years spent in nursing sickness. Two years spent on dressing. This is a man, you can imagine a woman, maybe seven. <laughs> then, overall, cumulatively, cumulatively, six months spent in prioritizing God and giving him attention. In 70 years, cumulatively, he only gave God six months. Meaning all the things he was supposed to tell you in that 70 years, you, didn't, you, you missed it. All the assignments you were supposed to do, in only six months, you could not. So that is the reason why your destination is that. And it was clear to him. I want you to write this thing down. Failure in one's life is simply failure in priority. Failure in one's life is simply failure in priority. We can understand say that failure in priority equals failure in life. Hallelujah. So now, somebody say now. now. I can't hear you. Say now. You know, the word now is an English term meaning at present moment or time. Now, at present moment or time, if God is to call you up before him, how will be your analysis before him? It's a question only you and I can answer. How will be my analysis on the screen so far? At least... I know how many years I am now. You know how old you are now. So just begin to check. Do some analysis. How will I stand before him on the screen? Will I be proud of what I will see before God? God will help us in the mighty name of Jesus. You know, we need to really understand that God desires to have our attention. He wants us to be, he wants to be with us. He wants to say a lot of things in our lives. 
He wants us to show us what matters. You know, a lot of us, we keep on running retter scatter. But what is needful, we are not seeing. And as a result, we are just dissipating our energies. And things are not working. What is your priority? What takes your time? Is it work? I know, I know a friend who got a, he was looking for a job. He came to church, he was praying all the time, praying, the Father, I need... And God gave him a job. And that was it. You hardly see him in service anymore. He doesn't come anymore. When you ask him, bro, he said, no, that my job is demanding. I don't have, no, don't worry, I will come. And that is it. The job took him away from God. You know, sometimes, God loves us so much that he looked at us. As if I give my daughter this thing he's asking for, he will take her to hell. I would rather have her way, let her mature. So that my gift towards him or her will not kill her. No matter how my son asks me for a knife at the age of two, I won't give it to him. The knife is needful in certain situations, but he doesn't need it now. I can't give my son an unripe mango, no matter how he's crying. You have to wait until that mango right. I will give you. So we must understand the way God operates. A lot of times we are the one delaying ourselves. Because God is watching us. He can't give us what we are asking for because we can't hold it. It will destroy us. God must be number one in our life. I don't know about you. The very moment I say yes to Jesus. Like I mentioned, I gave my life two, three times. The first time I, I, I was, you know, my brother said, go and receive Jesus. The man was calling Otako. I, I said, okay, let me go. After, let me respect him. After the service, I said, Jesus, give him my life back. I took it from him. I still live anyhow. The second time in the church as well, I, they say, I went forward. After service, please, can I have my life? I took it from him. But the third time, I, I, don't, I didn't need to even wait for, to, for anybody to push. I have to run. And for the last 23 years, my life has not been the same again. I have been running like never before towards him. I don't know about you. I have been crazy about him. The moment I gave my life to Christ, my life changed. I moved to South Africa. On campus, I was everywhere. I was on fire for him. Doing, um, just serving him. I went to Bible school three years full time. Moving. No girlfriend, no nothing. My life was just wrapped up with God. Nothing. I spent over seven years in South Africa. No girlfriend, no kiss, no touch, nothing. <laughs> I know why I'm saying this because I know what was going on. It was not my focus at all. It was really after 10 years that I think I need a wife now. I'm telling you, he took over me. I remember receiving one or two messages from friends in South Africa. One or two ladies wrote me, you are wicked. I said, why? What did I do? All the wives that were looking, you didn't do it. I said, what did I do? I didn't see. I was blind. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. We just have to understand that God matters in our life. And it is the only thing that matters. I want us to just pay attention to this. In life, you need to learn the practice of three major things. 
Number one, I call it the practice of selected action. You must learn to take calculative action that will always draw you closer to God and closer to achieving your destiny. The practice of selected action. Doing things that draw you closer to God. Doing things that takes you further to achieving your purpose in life. Number two, you must learn also the practice of selected neglect. You must learn to neglect certain things that add no value but suppression from your life. Stay away and run from it. And finally, it's what I call the practice of stubborn focus. You must learn to stubbornly keep focus to where God is taking you without distraction. If you have caught the vision of where God, what the Lord, where the Lord is taking you, run towards it as though your life solely depends on it. I was just asking myself, why is it that things are not working in our nation? Sometime ago, I read a book. I'm a management consultant, trainer, a coach. So I read a book titled, Why Nations Fail. The author, Darren and James, made a statement. He said, nations fail, not just because they don't know what to do. They fail because they know what to do, but fail to do it. You think some of these leaders don't know some of the things to do? They intentionally ignore it. Lack of priority. They leave things undone, but when they leave Asa Nigeria, they behave very well. I saw some of the governors in our country here. I saw them inside uh, uh, some train in London. See them behaving well, holding like I said. This one that siren will kill anybody when they are moving. But look at the way he was so humble. The moment they land back at Motala Mohammed Airport, you see nothing less than 20 cars. You see him, he changes. He becomes a lion by force. <laughs> when you lack priority by focusing the things you should neglect and refraining from taking the action that is needful, you are bound to fail. When you lack priority by focusing the things you should neglect and refraining from taking the necessary action that is needful, you are bound to fail in life. A nation like Nandida produces crude oil but cannot refine. We export and import the refined one. Something is wrong. We have our refineries, yet people don't want it to work. Something is wrong. What is our priority? Is it money? Is it food? You know some people, their belly is their investment and priority. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I want us to examine some lives of people in the Bible, if I have the time, whose life is an example, should be a mirror that we should look at. One of them is David. 
Let's quickly look at um, Second Samuel. Can I have Second Samuel on the screen, please? Second Samuel five seven to nineteen. Seventeen to nineteen, please. Second Samuel five. Okay. Now, when the Philistines heard that they had anointed King David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. Is it for good? No. And David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. Just hold it there. And went down to the stronghold. He did not resort to his own thinking first. Let's go forward, forward, please. The Philistines, sorry, please, where are we? Am I, am I in the right place? Good, okay. The Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephim. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, go up. For I will doubtless, without fail, deliver the Philistines into your hand. That is the man that prioritized God. Immediately, he went down to the stronghold to ask God, what would you have me do? He didn't just start strategizing. God would, I will deliver them in your hand. I will deliver them. You go, I'm with you. You see, one with God is majority. I don't believe in trying to get strategy from everyone. If I have God, I have all. And that David understood from the early stage of his life. God first. When pastor was preaching on Wednesday, you could see when David brought food to his brothers, he looked at the so-called champion called Goliath. Why others are looking at somebody who is the giant and big? He was looking at somebody who was already going to kill his mindset was, what is the benefit of killing this man? He was busy asking them, what will be, what will be done to the man who killed this man? He was not, he has already considered him dead. Because he knew what he carried on the inside. What will be done to the person who killed this Goliath? They say he will marry the king's daughter. They, they, he will be some estate. This time, say, wow. He went down, asked him. Because he was sure that that one is already gone. He's too big to miss when I give my scatterpot. And he conquered. Psalm 31, please. Also on David. Psalm 31, 13 to 14. Please. Can we have that on the screen? God will help us in Jesus' name. That God become number one in everything that we do. And you'll be amazed where he will take you. You know, God doesn't rush. He wants you to be solidified. You know, in school, in primary school, you, you don't move to primary three without primary one, primary two. There are prerequisites. So God will ensure there is no hole. So he's never in a hurry. He ensured that, you know, when you look at when they are building, they put cement, they put fire, so that when you stand, you stand. But a lot of people are in a hurry. God is not in a hurry. He wants to build you so that you can withstand the challenges of time. But you must learn to trust him. You can't trust God and be put to shame. You can't put your hope in God and be disgraced. He will not allow it.
For I hear the slander of many. Fear is on every side. Why they take cancer together against me? They scheme to take away my life. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. Amen. Amen. You are my God. Is God your God? Ask your neighbor, is God your God? If God is your God, you trust in him. If God is your God, you prioritize him. If God is your God, really, it's God that knows those who are his. If God is your God, you are his friend. You know, there is a song that we sing in churches. Um, it's a popular song. I first heard that church in the U.S. I visited a family member in Atlanta, so they took me to their church somewhere in Roswell, World Harvest Church. So they sang that song. Then the pastor, a white man, after they finished the song, he said, do you really understand the release of the song you are singing? People were laughing. Do you really understand that release of the song you just sang right now? Do you want me to sing that song? So you are not interested. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. You know, there's some emotion they put on it. He calls me friend. You need to see the emotion. The man now says, Is he really your friend? Is God really your friend? It is he that calls you friend. If you are his friend, you will do his will. If you are God's friend, you will do his will. You will make him your number one. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Another person we are going to look at is Daniel. Daniel is somebody I love love so much. This is a young captive that was taken to Babylon. From, From the very moment he entered Babylon, he began to put his things in order. He prioritized God first. In fact, he chose his friends carefully. And the moment they were asked to eat some food, he knew that he doesn't eat anyhow. This food is not what I should eat. This is for Satan. This is for idol. Why? Other, he, funny enough, he wasn't the only one there. There were many Jews that were captive. There were many of them. Because the command of the king that you should bring your men, you know, from the king. Bring, there were plenty of them. But he separated himself. Why others were busy eating rice and idol on the table? He didn't even follow them. He knew that was sacrifice to her. That would pollute him. He separated himself. And from that moment, God began to honor him. God began to exalt. You know, the moment you begin to honor, God begin to exalt you. Say, they that honor me, I will honor. They that despise me will be lightly esteemed. When you honor God, he will give honor back. When you speak for God, when you stand for God, when you are for him, he will be there for you in the name of Jesus. Now, if you go back, if you not go forward, you will see the series of events that happened in Daniel's life. In chapter 6, you saw where the other governors and the provincial governors, all of them, gang up to actually fight him. They look for loopholes to deal with him. They couldn't. They said the only way to find him, deal with him, is in the law of his God. But look at what happened the moment they scheme everything. Let's look at Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew 
that the writing was signed. He went home. He wasn't perturbed. And in his upper chamber, upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early what days. It has been a consistent lifestyle since early days. How consistent are you with God? Because what they, what they decided, it didn't move him. That is the only thing I have. If I perish, I perish. You know, each time I hear that if I perish, most people who are ready to die, they don't really die. Have you noticed? Those who are ready to die, they don't really die. It's those who are afraid to keep their life. I was listening to one of the former Boko Harams. They call him Shuaibu or something like that. I was listening to his tape. He said when they capture people, especially Christians, they will bring all of them, line them up. They will ask them, if you are for Jesus, go this side. If you are ready to renounce and leave, come this way. He said, if there are 197 will decide to become Muslim. He said, the boss will tell them, look, we rather leave this one that are so stubborn. Because if we kill them, their God may fight us. They will release the three and kill the 97. I said, this 97, when opportunity comes, they will go back to Christianity. Kill them. They will slaughter the whole 97. He said, that's what they do. So when they say that, they are happy to join them. We want to become part of you. He said they will be laughing at them. They will look out for those who are ready to prioritize their God. Who will say, I'm ready to die for this God. Rather than changing my... He said they will leave those ones. They will send them away from the camp immediately. They don't want to enter trouble with their God. Can you stand for God when no one is watching? Can you stand for God in secret and in the open? That is where the test of your Christianity lies. God will help us in Jesus' name. That we will prioritize him in everything. We will prioritize him in going and coming. In everywhere we go, in our offices. In the mighty name of Jesus. Joseph is another person that we know very well. He made up his mind that he will not, he will not, you know, he, 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 told, he, told, he told the Potiphar's wife, look, everything here is mine and I'm, I'm, I'm in charge except you. I cannot. Why should I do this wicked thing? Before my God. No one was watching. Naturally, that would have been an opportunity. Ah, if I have Madame, I have everything now. That is the mindset of some people. At least Madame did my side, waiting. Make her enter. But he refused. He was ready to go to jail. God exalted him. God was watching. What is that thing you do in secret? Nobody's watching. He would have done it. Nobody would have known. For a while, he would have become so popular. Madame would like him so much. But he has destroyed his destiny. He has, he has altered what God wants to do in his life. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Some may ask, in what way should I begin to prioritize God in my life? In what ways? Number one, begin by embracing the commandment of God. And that begins with the first commandment. In Exodus 20, 13, it says, you, Exodus 23, you shall have no other God before me. It's as simple as that. God cannot afford to share you with anybody. 
He's a jealous God. He's so jealous. He can't share it with any man. He doesn't want to see you and see something else. Thou shalt have no other God before me. So if there is something in you that it does not represent God, if you need to see him when God is leading, you will thank God for his mercy. In those days, you know, thank God for the blood of Jesus. The moment he see an idol in the, in, in the, in the, in the, you know, in the tent or in the midst of, he turn back, he turn away. Plague will just come down. Issues will start happening. They will start dying. Because he refrain, he remove his hand. And when God removes his covering, what comes is attack. So we are living by his mercy. Thank God for Jesus. If God should add the way he did in the old, you know, earth will open, many people will just be swallowed. But he's not ready for that. But he still gives us time. But the thing is, I can't see myself in you. I'm seeing another picture. I was watching a movie uh, from Dove Television in my office. I was just, I just, I don't, I just put Dove around two o'clock. They start showing one movie. So this is a particular Christian. He's been living anyhow. Now the devil was watching through a mirror. They noticed. Okay, you can see his lifetime now. Yes, the covering is out. Do you know that screen that watch? The enemy sees. You know, God doesn't really have to open our eyes to see some spiritual things that happen. But the enemy knows when you are guard, when you have lose your guard. He knows. He knows that fence is out. And he was watching that young man with their mirror. They said, let's attack him now. Then the, the devil appeared in his office. He cited him. He said, what are you doing here? I command you in the name of Jesus. Leave now. devil said, shut up there. Who are you telling to leave? <laughs> Who do you command in the name of Jesus? The young man said, said I'm not moved by that. Sit down. He said, Satan, I command you. <laughs> the devil balanced, trying to open the fridge to drink. <laughs> he said, You are wasting your time. You are, it's an exercise in fertility. I'm not living here. The young man, thank God for the blood of Jesus. And this is a pastor. So, what he did. You know the devil doesn't have a, a, he doesn't have insurance cover. The young man understood immediately the first John one nine that you confess you are saying he is faithful. You know God is faithful. Immediately he knelt down, but he came down to his say, "Father, forgive me, forgive me, have mercy on me, Holy Spirit. I repent of every known sin in my life. I promise not to go back." Have, the moment he began to pray, the devil began to shiver. Then he stood up. The, the filthy cloth he was wearing turned white. He said, Satan in the name of John. Leave here. The devil ran away. So the moment there are spots in you, the moment God is not there, the enemy has, he, he, he become a visitor. So God does not want to share with anybody. He will restrain his hand. For we are created for his glory. Number two. Recognize and prioritize God in your decision making. Don't make God a spare tire. Don't finish. Let us say, Father, come and endorse. It doesn't work that way. Father, this is the lady I want to marry. Approve. This is the man. Approve. This is that decision. I'm ready for, for this action. This is, it doesn't work that way. You can't force God to have. From the beginning, He should be part of your decision making. Hallelujah. Number three, prioritize God in your time. Give God your time for his service. May God not be looking for you in his service. 
The time he wants to use you, you are not there. Something else has taken you away from him. You are not honoring him. You are not prioritizing him. He said, I will meet you in service. When, you know, when you come to a place of prominence, it's because God has been finding you faithful. Faithful in small things. He begins to increase you. Then people will be wondering, what is happening? We know him before. We know her before. How manage? What is going on? Because it doesn't matter how many... You may be in church for 20 years. Somebody will come to church probably two years. He will pass everything that you, you sitting down. Because God is after faithfulness. It's after service. Not just service. Service that comes from the heart. A genuine service. Not eye service. God will help us in the mighty name of Jesus. As I round up, number four. Prioritize God with your money. Give your resources to God in support of his service. Support financially in whatever capacity you can as the Lord bless you and lead you. Don't harden your heart when you hear the name money. No, it's serious. Yes, it is true. Some people may have abused it, but you must understand that God needs you to sow. Sow to the life of your pastor. So to the life of God's ministers. I've seen that help me many ways. I'm serious. I remember I was asking Lord, I want to change my car. I need I need I need to get I need to get a Jeep. That was a few years back. I need to get a nice Jeep. Then I was praying with my wife. My wife said, Why don't we sow to the life of pastor? And one other pastor in the house. It's okay. We now got the money. We put it into the two different envelopes. We gave to that person. We now asked the person, this is for pastor. Do you know the following week, something came like a, an avalanche. I got that Jeep, Lexus 470, that Christmas. From nowhere. I'm just telling you certain things. You don't need to ah, they have. No. Look at the way they're looking. No. It's for your own good. So release. Be sensitive to certain needs in the house. And put, and you see how God will begin to, because we are sensitive. That is why our pastor, look at the way himself, the way God has also blessed him. He can see what a man of God is saying in the church or the pulpit. He gets angry. Father, why this announcement often make me a vessel to meet a need? And his life has never been the same. He keep increasing. So why do we have such a father figure? Yet the disparity between us and him is so far. So we have to come up here in Jesus' name. And finally, prioritize God with your whole life. Give your life as a service unto God. Let your life be a sweet smelling savour before God. Let your life be something that when God looked down, the totality of everything about your life is for him. May you not be found wanting in the house of God in the name of Jesus. Everything about you must change for good because you prioritize God. And you are going, and you are coming, in everything that you do, your life must be for God in Jesus' name. You will not lack any good thing in Jesus' name because you have placed God number one in your life. That will be a portion in the name of Jesus. A lot of times we are wondering why things are not happening the way it should. It's because God will look down, we are not faithful to him the way. 
Faithfulness is not from your own perspective, it's from God's perspective. He looked down, he can't see, he can't, what he's looking for. God is ready to give you anything. He's ready to, I mean, look at the way he was priding for Job. Satan, can you see my servant Job? Job wasn't poor, he was rich. Job was the richest man in the East. And that same God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. So meaning God is interested in you becoming big. He's interested in you becoming rich. But that wealth should be for his glory. He wants to give you so that you become a channel of blessing in the name of Jesus. That our life will not be the same again in Jesus' name. That in you are going and coming, God will be number one in all things. You will not be put to shame in the mighty name of Jesus. I want us to be upstanding as we begin to pray. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We shall prioritize God in our life in all things in Jesus' name. It is the will of God that we, we, we become big. And that is the heart cry of pastor. He wants us to be what God wants us to be in the name of Jesus. I want us to begin to pray. Number one. Lord, show me any area of my life where lack of priority is limiting the amount of blessing you want to bring into my life. Pray that prayer in the name of Jesus. Father, show me any area of my life where lack of priority is limiting the amount of blessing you want to bring to my life in the name of Jesus. Let's begin to pray this morning that every area of my life where lack of priority is limiting the blessing of God. Is in the area of my finance? Is in the area of my giving? Is in the area of my service to God? Is in the area of, of how I'm living? Is it the area of my time? Let's pray, please. I want to hear you pray this morning. Things must change for good in the name of Jesus. We cannot be crying, it's not happening. We cannot be crying and things are not happening for us. When God is expecting us to change ourselves. The problem is not God. The problem is us. We need to change in the name of Jesus. Father, reveal to me in the name of Jesus. Areas of my life where I am limiting myself as a result of lack of priority. In Jesus' name that I will pray. In the mighty name of Jesus. I want us to pray again. Father, give me grace to begin to prioritize you from today. All the days of my life. It will not be said of me when I stand before you that I spent all my life doing unimportant things, things that didn't matter before heaven. Father, give me grace from today that you become my number one in everything that I do. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, I will prioritize you in my work, in my finance. I will prioritize you in everything. I need that grace, Lord. Give me the grace I need in the name of this day that when I look back between now to the end of this year, that I could know, I will see, I will feel that God is in charge. God is in charge over my life. Father, we bless your holy name. Father, we magnify you. We give you all the praise and honor. We magnify your holy name. Giving us the grace that we need, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name that we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus. Are you blessed this morning? Are you blessed this morning? Hallelujah. Amen. And amen. Thanks so much for listening. We have to end it here today, 
but it's been a real joy to come into your homes to unveil the truth of God's Word. I pray that the Word of God you have received will sink deeply into your hearts and bring forth tangible fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. In addition, I pray that the truth you've embraced will not only set you free, but it will empower you to impact your environment positively as God's representative in your sphere of influence. Till we meet again on this platform, remain sandwiched between the peace of God and the God of peace. God bless you richly. Bye, Bye for, for now. now.